Welcome to Victory Today. I am so pleased that you've joined us because right now we are talking about how to get victory over the storms of life. And whether you're in a storm right now or not, you don't have to be prophetic to know that around the world, there are lots of dark clouds forming. There is the constant talk of storms in the financial markets, political storms, cultural, social unrest and wars and rumors of wars. Now, I don't need to tell you that there are also a whole lot of good things going on in our world right now. Amen. But the good news stories don't get the clicks. They don't get the shares. They don't get the help from the TV ratings. And so if you are taking your cues from the media friend, you would think that it's all doom and gloom and there's no blue sky anywhere. But I want to tell you today, that is just not true. Okay, so many great things are happening right now. So many lives are being impacted for the gospel. Man, there are miracles that are breaking out all over the place. Supernatural provision, divine protection. Friend, there is no doubt about it. God is moving right now. He's moving by his spirit in a powerful way. And I want to suggest that as this world grows darker and darker, the light of his truth is just going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. So you do need to be careful, as we said last time, with what it is that you're focusing on and what you're taking your cues from, because the world right now would have you believe that everything is bad and it's only going to get worse. But I'm here to tell you that there has never been, friend, a better time to be a follower of Jesus. You know, think about it. You are surrounded right now by opportunities to be his ambassador. And I've just told you, God is moving in a supernatural way. Whenever there are people that are prepared to run their race and finish the course and keep the faith, God's going to use people like that. So come on, let's be those kind of people. Amen. Let's be those kind of people that are looking for opportunities in this dark season to be a light, to be a blessing. But, you know, that said, there are storms that are brewing around the world right now. And, and maybe you're right in the middle of one or you see those dark clouds approaching and you're wanting to navigate this challenging season with faith. Well, you come to the right place. Amen. This is the podcast for you because here we are all about learning to maintain the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross rather than doing what a lot of people these days are trying to do. And that is striving to attain some kind of victory in their own strength which is never going to happen. And and even if you could achieve it, friend, it's not sustainable. We've got to maintain the victory and enjoy the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross. We're not going to try and attain it in our own strength. That's never going to work. But we've seen in these last two podcasts that just because we have the victory, that doesn't mean that we're guaranteed a storm-free life. Okay? I told you last time, Jesus faced storms, the Apostle Paul faced storms, all of the heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, they all experienced storms. And so friend, if you're going to live down here and you're going to stand for Jesus in this generation, you can expect to encounter some opposition. Okay? You just can. You're going to get some pushback. So if you haven't heard the last two or three podcasts, can I encourage you, go back and listen to them because we went into detail as to why it is you just can't, as a believer, expect to live a storm-free life. 
We've also learned where the majority of storms come from in life. We've seen that the very best way to prepare yourself for storms that will come is to be prepared beforehand while the sun is shining so that you don't have to scramble when the clouds get dark. And we've talked about how to be prepared for storms. We've discovered why your spiritual enemy sends storms in the first place. What's he on about? What is he trying to achieve? And today, what we're going to do is look at how Jesus responded to a storm and what we can learn from that. It's an incredible account, and it comes from Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to take a look at it together. This is from Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. It says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, Who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, there is so much that we can learn from this passage about being victorious over the storms of life. But right up front, I want you to notice Jesus' response to the disciples. Because remember, we're talking right now not just about triumphing over the storms of life, but more broadly about how to walk in the spirit rather than the flesh. Okay, we've talked about that for a number of podcasts now. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, just to remind you, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The Good News translation says to be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the spirit results in life and peace. The NIV puts it this way. It says the mind that is governed by the flesh is death. But the mind that is governed by the spirit is life and peace. Notice that word governed there. That means in charge, right? Calling the shots. It's saying that if your mind, that's your soul realm, your mind, your will, your emotions, right? If your soul is being governed by your flesh, your physical senses, what you can see and hear and taste and touch and feel, if your mind is being led by your physical senses, if that right now is what's influencing you, if that is what's leading your life, the only result, the Word of God says, that you can expect is death. But if you allow your born-again spirit in conjunction with the Holy Spirit to lead or to govern your life and to govern your decision-making, your spirit will in turn influence your mind and your will and your emotions and your body will follow. 
Okay, your body will fall into line with whatever it gets told. But for that to happen, your mind has to be renewed to the truth of God's word. And your spirit has got to be calling the shots. Your spirit has got to be in charge, not your natural physical senses. So, Jesus here rebukes the storm, everything calms down, and then he turns to his disciples and he calls them out on two very important things. I want you to notice this. He says, number one, why are you so fearful? And secondly, how is it that you have no faith? Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. Why did Jesus accuse them of having no faith and being overcome by fear? Because if we look at the severity of the situation here, that would seem to most of us to be a pretty tough thing, maybe even a little bit unreasonable for Jesus to even say. I mean, think about it. It was most likely pitch dark. They are far from land. The wind is ferocious. The waves are swamping the boat. They're cold. They're wet. They're exhausted from trying desperately, maybe for hours, to row to safety. You know, they've been fighting this storm for a long time. This wasn't a few minutes. And we are told that the waves have already swamped the boat. And so no doubt they are just exhausted. So from a natural standpoint, It seems pretty unreasonable for Jesus to challenge them in this way, right? Why are you so full of fear? Why did you let go of your faith? Why? Well, because we're about to drown, right? That's what they're thinking. But I want you to cast your mind back now to what Jesus said about the guy who triumphed over the storm and the guy who was devastated by it. Remember when we were talking about those two guys that build their house? What did Jesus say about the one who triumphed over the storm versus the one who was ruined by it. Do you remember what Jesus said made all the difference? He said the wise man who didn't go to pieces when the storm hit was both a hearer of the word and a doer, right? That's what he said. He said this guy didn't go to pieces because he heard the word And he did it. He acted on it. Well, okay then, let's return now to Jesus' rebuke of the disciples here out on the Sea of Galilee and see if in light of that, we can understand a little better of what's going on. Because let's understand today, Jesus was never unreasonable. Okay? If if it's unreasonable to us, it's because we don't understand what's going on. Jesus was never unreasonable. He never wasted words. He never said something that wasn't important. So for him to challenge them like this meant that they were responding in a way that they shouldn't have and nor did they have to. Does that make sense? Jesus was rebuking them in this moment. I mean, he's cross. He, he, He was upset with them. He's rebuking them because their response to the situation, their panic in this storm was, according to Jesus at least, both unnecessary and costly. So let's make sense of why that was. And to do that, we need to go back to the start of this account and look more closely at what went on. You see, friend, hours before the winds whipped up and the sky grew black, Jesus, after a long day of teaching, had pulled his disciples aside and Mark 4.35 records it. He said to them this, he said, let us cross over to the other side. 
That's what he said. Let us cross over to the other side. He didn't ask for their opinion. He didn't take a poll. He didn't figure out what the majority of the disciples wanted to do. No, Jesus simply said, come on, boys, we're going to cross to the other side of the lake. And no doubt at the time they were like, okay, great. You know, they were tired like he was. Sure, Jesus says we're crossing over the other side. So I guess that's what we're doing. But where the disciples missed it is that they failed to realize that in Jesus' command was also everything that they needed to ensure that his word would come to pass. And that is so important for you to grasp because it will help you so much when it comes to walking in the spirit rather than being controlled by your flesh. I'm saying today that the word of God, friend, is not only powerful, it's empowering. Okay? The word of God is not just powerful, it's empowering. And what I mean by that is that there is a power residing in God's word that will enable you, if you believe it, if you receive it, if you act upon it, to enable you to do whatever it's telling you to do. This is incredibly important, but it's something that a lot of people miss. I'm saying today that when the Bible tells us something contained in that word is the power that we need to receive it by faith, believe it in spite of what our senses might be telling us, and act upon it, trusting absolutely that because God can't lie, because his word is true, that whatever he has said will come to pass. So, In this instance, here in Mark chapter 4, what have we got? Well, we've got the living word. That's what John calls Jesus, the living word, declaring the word and saying to his disciples, pull up the anchor, hoist the sails. We are going to cross to the other side. And what did that mean? Well, it meant, friend, that everything that they needed, listen carefully, everything that they needed to enable them to get from point A to point B, had already been provided. They were going to get there. They were going to cross to the other side, regardless of what they encountered along the way. There was absolutely no doubt about it. They were going to get there. Why? Because that is what Jesus had said. Amen? That is what he declared. Think about it. The word had gone forth. It's no different than in the beginning when God said, let there be light. And when that word went forth, the Bible says, and there was light, right? Because the word has creative power attached to it. Well, this is what Jesus said. He said, come on, boys, we're crossing to the other side. So the word had gone forth. And I'm here to tell you, once it is come out of his mouth, the Bible says it will not return void. Or in other words, it will accomplish exactly whatever God intends for it to accomplish. So Jesus says, we're going to the other side. And then what does he do? Well, we know what he did. He had under the the ship into the hull of the ship or the hold of the ship to go and have a sleep. He didn't have any issues whatsoever. He wasn't concerned at all. He lay his head on a pillow and was out to it. He was tired from preaching. Well, why would he be tired? 
He said, we're going to the other side. So of course they're going to the other side. So why would the disciples fear? Why would they become anxious? Even if the waves started to build up, even if the sky grew dark and the winds picked up, what possible reason could they have for being afraid once Jesus, the master, I mean, Jesus, we're talking about Jesus, the living word. Once Jesus, the master had told them, boys, we're crossing over to the other side. What possible reason could they have for being afraid? Friend, the only way the disciples could ever allow that storm to frighten them, having heard from the word that they were crossing to the other side, the only way they could ever possibly have allowed that storm to frighten them is by letting go of their faith and instead responding to what they saw reacting to what they could hear, allowing their senses to cause them to doubt his word, reject his word, and try in their own strength to take matters into their own hands. Think about it. What did they do? We know what they did. They doubted his word and they refused to act on it. Well, isn't that exactly what Jesus said about the guy who built his house upon the sand? He said that guy's house, or he's talking figuratively, he's talking about his life. He said that guy's life was utterly destroyed. Why? Because he refused to act on the word that he heard. Amen? Now that's important. Because he heard the word. Jesus said that he heard it, just like the other guy. But instead of acting on the word that he heard, he ignored that word. And instead, he built his life on a shaky foundation. So, here's what I want you to get today. God's word is not only powerful, it's empowering. Okay? And what that means is that there is power resident in the Word of God to enable you to do whatever He's told you to do. When He speaks to you, friend, contained in those words is all the power necessary to bring that Word to pass. So, if He's spoken to you about something from His written Word, or from the witness of the Spirit to your spirit, or from a prophetic word that's been declared over your life. As long as the word that you heard is in line with the Scripture, and it aligns to the character, the nature of God, you can be confident that if He said it, regardless of how impossible it might seem right now, if He said it, friend, it will come to pass as long as you do what Jesus said and you believe it, you receive it, you act on it, and you refuse to let go of it. Now, why would you let go of it? Well, we've already seen through fear and unbelief. And then if you did that, you would revert back to your own natural fleshly mind and fear would come and doubt would come and you'd cast off your confidence. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Let me remind you of this wonderful verse again. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. The Amplified Version says, Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. 
That's another way of saying to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen? So, if you are going through a storm right now, friend, you've got to get your eyes off the situation. You've got to get your mind out of that problem-solving mode where you're trying to figure everything else. You've got to, you've got to get your eyes off the situation. You've got to get your mind out of that problem-solving mode. And you've got to ask, Lord, what are you saying to me about this right now? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? Instead of freaking out and yielding to the fear, I want to encourage you today. If you are facing something right now, friend, get your eyes on the word. Remind yourself of his promises to you. Quieten your heart right down from all the noise and all the busyness and all the concerns. Quieten your heart and ask him to speak to you so that you don't lean on your own natural understanding in this season, but instead you keep your trust in him and in what he has said to you. Because if you will do that, friend, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it feels like, I'm here to tell you, you'll experience victory over that storm and your faith is going to grow as a result. And we'll talk more about how to do that in the next podcast. So God bless you. I trust you've been encouraged today and I'll talk to you again really soon.